Glory to God. Glory to God. The more we can get our eyes off of each other, the more God can do in our midst. Thank you, Master. Praise the Lord. Y'all can be seated. Everybody happy tonight? I'm believing the Lord for more of the same and greater things than these. But you know, we'll have to retrain ourselves, won't we? Me, you, all of us. Retrain ourselves. The Lord knows our heart, but we've got to be open. And we mustn't just do what's comfortable, what we're used to doing. Got to be open for different things, doing it differently. Mister, what if I make a mistake? You probably will. But you won't learn unless you step out. And, and making a mistake's not the big thing. It's, it's remaining teachable and correctable. And just admit it when you make a mistake. And you'll learn, we'll learn, and we'll grow. And we mustn't let, uh, like Phyllis was talking about, we mustn't let error throw us off of the real thing. Right? There, there's been a lot of stuff that people did, and they said, thus saith the Lord, and it wasn't. And they prophesied, and it was just them. You know, the thing about prophesying and seeing both is that it comes through imperfect vessels. And you can see right and interpret wrong. You can see right and think it means something it doesn't mean. Or the same thing with tongues and interpretation or prophecy. A person can be more or less developed in tongues and interpretation and in prophecy. And notice it's not translation of tongues. What is it? So it's not a word-for-word word trans. Somebody gives a tongue, and then somebody gives an interpretation. It's not a word-for-word word translation of what was said, lest the Lord would choose to do it that way as a sign. The Bible says it's interpretation, which means it's the giving of the sense of the meaning in the known tongue of what was said in the unknown tongue. And you can do a better or poorer job at that. Right? And how do you get better at something? By doing it. Right? And there's a whole lot of us is rusty. <laughs> and some folk just completely green. But either way, let's, uh, let's stop waiting. Stop making excuses. Stop looking at the wrong things. And whether it's at home or with friends or whether it's riding in the car or at church, let's respond to what the Lord gives us. Hmm? And when I say respond, be willing to step out 
Be willing to. And, and you know, how you come across makes all the difference, doesn't it? I know uh, my father in the faith and a lot of you as well, Brother Kenneth Hagin, who's in heaven now, after, you know, 50 and 60 years in the ministry, having seen the Lord in open visions multiple times, he'd say, now, this is what I got in my spirit, and if it doesn't bear witness with you, then just, you know, throw it aside, and I'm a man, I could miss it. Well, if a man of that caliber talks that way after 60 years of experience, (laughs) how ought a young minister or young Christian to talk and act? But yet you'll see, so oftentimes those are the ones that that are the most adamant. God said, and I know I heard from God. (laughs) Well, now... In the book of Acts, let's look at something here. I think it's over about the 20th chapter or so. (laughs) 21 is where it is, Acts 21. We still believe in God tonight? I mean, we could just dismiss and go home right now if that's what the Lord said, but let's just check, make sure we're, we're done before we go. And then let's, let's go ahead and go when we get done. Yeah. <laughs> Both. <laughs> Acts 21. Uh, the Bible said, Verse 4, Acts 21, 4, finding disciples, we tarried there. This is Paul's company. Seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. Now, what they, what they say to him? They said to him, don't go to Jerusalem. And they said it through the Spirit. It's interesting language. The Amplified says, prompted by the Spirit. I like the Williams translation. I think it's very accurate. He sa- the Williams says, because of impressions made by the Spirit. Because of impressions made by the Spirit, they said to him, don't go, he should, that he should not go up to Jerusalem. Now skip on down to uh, verse 11 in the same chapter. Well, verse 10, as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. Now, who said this previous thing to him in verse 4? It says disciples. Well, it didn't necessarily mean they were in any kind of five-fold ministry. They're believers. But all believers can be filled with the Spirit. And all believers can be aware of what the Spirit is saying. Right? And all believers can be used of the Spirit, can, be, can get a word of knowledge, can get a word of wisdom, discerning the spirits, tongues, interpretation, prophecy. Any believer, just because you prophesy doesn't make you a prophet. Yes. 
or prophetess. All believers can prophesy. Most don't, but they can. Someone said, what do you mean talking about predicting the future? No, no, it's so much ignorance about the subject even. Uh, 1 Corinthians talks about he that speaks unto, that prophesies, speaks unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. Building somebody up, exhorting them, encouraging them, comforting them. See, there's no foretelling mentioned in that. Simple prophecy. In fact, Revelation says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What does that mean? Well, you ever been in a good testimony service? I'm talking about a good one. Because <laughs> there are other kinds. I'm not talking about somebody got up and told what all the devil did and how hard it is. and Y'all pray for me that I'll hold on some way and... No, I'm talking about somebody got up, began to tell what the Lord had done for them, and it was anointed. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Now, have you heard it or seen it before? It was anointed, and just something went out over the whole crowd. Just a blessing. Well, they were prophesying. I said, no, they're just testifying. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It's an anointing. And, and you don't have to be a pastor, you don't have to be a teacher, you don't have to be a, an apostle, a prophet, any believer, any believer, every believer can do this. It's sad that we all, so many are not, and it's so foreign, but don't cast it away. Now, pastors, pastors many times have been restricted by wrong thinking that if you're a pastor then you're really not supposed to be as spiritual as say a prophet or an apostle because just by nature of the job a pastor is going to be more carnal <laughs> that's a bunch of baloney I said that's a bunch of baloney a pa pastoral ministry and anointing is different from prophet, but no less spiritual. Anybody with me this evening? No less spiritual. And people have thought, well, you'd have to be a prophet in order to see anything or prophesy or have word of knowledge. Absolutely not. I said, absolutely not. In fact, it's required that pastors see things and teachers see things. I'm not talking about falling into a trance. I'm not talking about having an open vision, though that could happen. Yet we are, all of us, everybody in every part of ministry, every fivefold place, and all believers, as close as you want to draw to the Lord, you can see more and more and know more and more. These are disciples, right? Yes. And they're picking up something, aren't they? Yes. William says, because of impressions made by the Spirit. And if you read other, other passages, uh, Paul said, everywhere we go, the Spirit is warning me that bonds and afflictions are waiting on me. Yes. 
Right? Well, how did they know that? These are believers. How did they know that? Through the Spirit. Can we live a more spiritual life than what many are living? And notice, verse 11, that this now is, is a prophet named Agabus. When he was come, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost. Now that's different language. This is a stronger word and a stronger anointing. They didn't say, thus saith the Holy Ghost. They said that he shouldn't go to Jerusalem. This is them talking because of impressions they got. Everybody with me now? Now this is a different thing. This man walks in. He's, his ministry is known to them and proven. And he walks right up to Paul and pulls his belt off. Well, everybody knows this man, and he's not. this is not just some Johnny come lately. Right? He has a proven ministry. So they observe it and pay attention. And he takes, he takes his hands and he ties them up with, you know, and he says, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem tie up the man whose belt this is. Did he say, don't go? No. I've heard theologians write and try to explain, say, well, this is the one place where Paul missed it. We all have missed it, and Paul's, we see his humanity here that, like the rest of us, he missed it because when he went down there, you know, he got in trouble. He got arrested, and, and, and then after that, he's a prisoner. Absolutely not so. When he got saved on the road to Damascus, the master told him, didn't he? Told him he was going to experience bondage. He was going to experience things and suffer for his name's sake and bear his name before kings and Gentiles. Well, isn't that what he did? That's how God got him there. He didn't miss God. Why am I saying all this? See, the man of God who was more precise who had experience in this anointing. He said exactly what the Lord said and didn't add to it or take from it. Right? He said, this is what the Holy Ghost said. The man that owns this belt is going to be tied up like this. And it happened. came to pass just that way. But God was with him every step of the way. Wasn't he? God was with him on the ship. He was with him in the shipwreck. He was with him on the island. It, God hadn't forsaken him. He wasn't out of the will of God. He was in the will of God. But then these young disciples, they got filled with the Spirit. They're learning how to hear from the Lord. But they jumped to a conclusion, didn't they? They assumed that since they sensed and picked up that he's going to get in trouble when he goes down there, then that means don't go. And that's not what the Lord said. It would pay, it would pay us, behoove us, to be very particular about saying the Lord said. People have gotten too loose with this phrase. The Lord said this. The Lord said, well, did he? So many times you'd be better off saying, it seems to me. <laughs> I sense this. Well, what does that mean? So many times what do you need to say? I don't know. 
<laughs> what it means, I just sense this. Are y'all with me tonight? Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Go with me to John, please. Gospel account of John. We'll go to John 14. John 14. You got just a few more minutes tonight? We've seen that the Scripture talks about where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And we all with an open face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, we're changed into the same image from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. How does God change us? By what we see. You know, it's, it's no surprise that technology has caught on like it has in the areas of uh, video and audio. And yeah, it's just, I mean, if you'd have told people a hundred years ago what we'd have today in these areas, it would have just boggled their mind. But we, we, we need to watch it. One reason why we take to it so readily and quickly, and it's easy for us to get addicted to it, is because we're spirit beings made to feed on vision. Are you with me? We're made to feed on vision. And there's a spiritual law that you become what you behold. Not sometime, not part of the time. It's a law. I heard uh, somebody on a news program debating about some folks that were the worst sexual criminals and offenders and they were theorizing did they they had found out that they had really delved into pornography and, and all kind of terrible violent pornography and just fed on it night and day and they were were surmising theorizing wonder if that had anything to do with them winding up committing these crimes well there's no need to debate about it you become what you behold. It's a law. It's a law. Be it bad or be it good. Be it good. How many remember that after Jesus is raised from the dead, the disciples are used of God to work miracles. And the authorities took note of them that they had been... With Jesus. Well, what does that mean? Well, they'd been with Jesus. While they had been with Jesus, what was going on? They were seeing him. Weren't they? 
They were hearing Him and seeing Him and hearing Him and seeing Him. And the next thing you know, they're acting like Him. They're doing what He did. Well, the enemy is all the time trying to get us to watch his video. He wants to show you sin. He wants to show you perversion and defilement. He wants to show you violence. And he wants to show you failure. He has high definition. discs of you failing and dying. Now, it hasn't happened. It's fiction. (laughs) But he knows if he can get you to watch it, it will produce an image of failure in you that you will adapt to and change to. I know... uh, having the privilege of working in Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry in the healing school for a number of years, I learned and saw when people had been diagnosed with terminal diseases and no hope, when they lay there and get quiet, and they're just quiet, and you come try to talk to them, and then they won't talk, they're just quiet, what are they doing all day and all night? They're watching something. In their mind's eye. What are they watching? The devil is, is playing a, a video for them. Isn't he? It's of them getting worse and worse and dying. And, and people will lay there and imagine their funeral. And imagine their gravesite. And imagine and imagine. Friend, you cannot do that and be healed and live. You feed on death. Death's going to manifest. And that's why when you're under attack particularly, you can't afford to look at a bunch of stuff. And people may not understand it, but if you're pressed about something and pushed about something, you don't even need to hear it brought up. You don't need to watch documentaries about it. You don't need to hear people tell about their problems and their symptoms. You need to see something else. You've got to get something else in your eyes and in your ears and in your mind. Because you've got, you got right now a vision of death in yourself and you've got to get that changed or else you'll perish. It's true financially. It's true ministerially. It's true maritally. The devil will come. Especially if you have a little trouble. And he'll just show you that you're imagining it getting worse. Or that it'll never be any better. He wants you to be discouraged. He wants to rob you of your hope and your faith. He wants to get an image of you that's just total failure. And why try to stick it out? Why I try to work? It's not going anywhere anyway. It's not going to be any better. No matter what I do, it'll never be any better. That's a lie. Amen. I said, that's a lie. Amen. We believe in the Almighty God with whom nothing is too hard or too difficult. We believe all things are possible to him that believes. All means all. 
That means it's possible for me to live even though everybody says I can't. Even though my own body says I can't. It's still possible for me to live. It means we can make it in our marriage no matter what has happened in the past, how horrible, how terrible it is, how little we feel for each other. Doesn't matter. All things are possible to him that believes. It can change. It can get better. It can get good. Thank you, Lord. You have a little issue in your ministry. You lose a few people. Or your money is down. The devil will come right in there and say, this is just the beginning. <laughs> you are on the beginning of a downward spiral. You better just bail out now. Save yourself some trouble. Now there's a man I ministered for another part of the country has a great church, good church, strong church. And yet for several years it wasn't very big. And he told me, he said, Brother Keith, he said, I must have had three or four ministers come by and tell me, oh, you know, you might as well just close this thing up and uh, nothing's going on here. You know, just <laughs> people that he had fellowship with, people that he had some respect for. You know, one of, the, one of the most terrible things as a child of God is to realize the devil used you, used your mouth to rob somebody of their faith and their vision. That's one of the most awful things to realize. It's real simple. If you can't help somebody, if you can't encourage them some way, can you tell me what you should do? Shut up. Be quiet. <laughs> right? <laughs> the enemy is always trying to get vision in us, and we need to watch because now we've got all these different ways of vision getting into us that previous generations didn't have. I mean, we can have a video screen on our wrist. We can have five video screens in our car while we go down the road, right? I mean, we, we can have pictures bombarding our eyes 24-7, and it is not good. I said, it's not good. Because while you're seeing all these pictures, there's some you're not seeing. Are you all with me? If you got your eyes and your ears and your mind filled up with all these visions and pictures from the world all the time, when are we seeing from the Lord? These things are taking the place. They're displacing it. And the serious thing is we're becoming what we're beholding. And because so many times it's gradual and because so many times so many other people are moving the same direction as us, it's not as noticeable. But how about let's move in the other way. Let's, and a bunch of us move together, right? Just because it's on and just because it's going doesn't mean you need to hear it. And how many know that there is knowledge seemingly unlimited? On the Internet, you can do a search and come back with three million hits. 
but should you sit there and try to go through them? We, we don't need to know everything. I said, we don't need to know everything. There's a whole lot of stuff we'd be better off not knowing. Right? Didn't the Bible say in evil we should be simple? But in things of God, wise. We ought to be dumb about evil stuff. We're not dumb enough when it comes to evil. And perversion, when somebody starts talking about some sin, we ought to go, huh, what? What is that? What? Instead, too often people go, mm-hmm, as they know entirely too much about it. <laughs> why, why am I talking about this? Because the big problem with this is that it's displacing the God vision. Because you can't reach up and turn on the TV for God vision. How do you get God vision? Well, where is He? That's what I'm talking about right now. That's why you're in John. Let me talk about three ways that God gets, gets His vision into us. Number one, and I mean number one, God gets his vision into us. Can you guess what I'm going to say? Through his word. Somebody say number one. Number one. John 14, 8 and 9. Philip said, Lord, show us. Show us the Father, and it suffices us. Jesus said, Have I been so long time with you, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. How sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Are we talking about the Word? Is He the Word? He is the Word made flesh. And if you've seen the Word, you've seen God. I know in the very beginning days of uh, my begin being hungry for God as a teenager, I was born again quite young, but didn't grow in the things of God till my uh, late teens. And uh, when I got hungry, God was dealing with me about the ministry. I didn't have a clue. I had some other plans. Didn't, didn't cross my mind that I'd be a preacher. And he began to deal with me, deal with me, and I knew there was something. I didn't know what it was, but I knew there was something he was trying to get across to me. And I, I said, well, Lord, tell me. Talk to me. Of course, I'm carnal and I'm natural, so I'm wanting to see something natural. I'm wanting to hear something with my ears and see something with these eyes. And man, I mean 2 o'clock in the morning to find me out in the woods sometime going, God, what? Talk to me. And really, I'm wanting him to write it in the sky. I'm wanting to hear it with these ears. That, that's all I knew. And I must have asked him 500 times, talk to me. Talk to me. Lord, just tell me, what do you want? Tell me. Talk to me. How many know God is a spirit? Spirit. He communicates with us with, through our spirit. 
His Spirit bears witness with what part of our being? Our, not our head, not our emotions, not our feelings, not our body. His Spirit bears witness with our spirit. Finally, I was in our little uh, mobile home. (laughs) Knelt down by our genuine imitation leather couch (laughs) with the red shag carpet. And uh, the Lord spoke to me. I don't mean to heard an audible voice, but very definitely. He spoke to me. He said, Son, I've said many things to you already in the book. You don't know them. Find out what I've already said to you. And if I want to say anything else to you, I will. And I got a revelation. (laughs) Should have had it already, but I got a revelation. And I I reached over and picked up my Bible. And I thought, glory to God. God's going to talk to me right now. And I just opened it up. And how many know you can open it to any page? Any page. And if you'll have faith to listen, start reading. And what happens? God starts talking. And it's a more sure word than any prophecy through any man or woman that you'll ever get. Or any angelic visitation or vision that you'll ever have, anything like that you'd get, you should check it with the written word. It's the more sure word. And the thing is, while you're hearing, you're seeing. Words are not just letters linked together. If I say dog, you don't think D-O-G doesn't mean anything. In fact, I could say it to, to you in a language you didn't understand and mean nothing to you. Words are containers, aren't they? They're like cups or bowls. They contain something. Spiritual words contain spiritual quantity and supply. And when God speaks, there's no word of His that is void of power. (laughs) When he speaks, there's something to see in what you hear. And as you hear, you see. How many have been reading something in this Holy Bible and you said, I see that. I see that. Glory to God. I see that. That's how you're going to see him. And the more time we spend with our eyes on this, the more we're going to see And the more we read it in faith, watch about just reading to be reading. It's not going to help you that you say, I read X amount of chapters. Well, whoop-de-doo, what would you get out of it? Or or maybe we should say, what did you see? And I read 12 chapters. Great. What did you see? Oh, I I just read. Well, you better read them again because there's plenty to see. Somebody said out loud, when I read this holy book, God speaks to me. And when he speaks to me, I see it. Glory to God. When he speaks to me, I see it. Say it again. Close your eyes. Say it again. When he speaks to me, I see it. Hallelujah. Go to John 16. 
John 16. Sixteen, thirteen. Here's a second way, and it's really is connected to the first, but that God gives us vision. It says, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will... I'm a little more excited about that. He'll do what? This is Jesus talking. This is the master. He said the Spirit of God will what? He will show you things to come. That's not just for prophets or apostles. It's for believers. Everybody. Say it out loud. He will show me things to come. It doesn't have to be in an angelic visitation. It doesn't have to be in an open vision. You can get the sense of it in your spirit. The eyes of your understanding can, can be enlightened. It can be in a dream in the nighttime. It can just be something that comes before your mind in the middle of the day. And you realize that wasn't me. That was the Lord. This is available to every believer. I said every believer. Every believer, and essential equipment for doing the plan of God. There's no other way to do it. He said, he will show you things to come. Keep reading. He will glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall do what? Oh, there's a lot of showing going on. <laughs> right? A lot of showing. What happens when he shows us something? Come on, saints. What happens? When he shows us something... We're changed as we look at it, and we're enabled to do it. If we can see Him do it, we can do it. All things, verse 15, all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, said I that He will take of mine, and what will He do? He will show it unto you. Show it unto you. So the Spirit of God will show us things. Even when we're not reading the Bible. Right? And what we're talking about is fellowship with God, but folks have limited fellowship with God to kneeling by the bed with your hands folded. Which is a very short amount of your day. No, we can commune with God while you're getting ready in the morning. How many ever had the Lord minister something to you while you was getting ready? Now you, now, you saw hands go over and a lot of people going, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know why? Yeah, because you can do that without thinking. And God can catch you <laughs> while you're not thinking about a bunch of other stuff and, and just something come right up from your spirit. But we can train ourselves to do that all day long and all night long and being focused on Him. The Bible said pray without ceasing. doesn't mean you're knelt down speaking in tongues 24-7. It was said that somebody asked Smith Wigglesworth, 
about his prayer. How how long did he usually pray? What did he say? About 10 minutes, whatever. But he hardly ever went 10 minutes without praying. (laughs) He was praying without stopping. He didn't just say, this is my prayer time. Now I'm started. Now I'm done. Now I'm going to be carnal like the rest of the world for the rest of the day till I have my prayer time. We can, we can renew our minds so that we are continually making ourselves aware of His presence. Right? And talking to Him all the time and not just talking to Him, letting Him speak to us. And when He speaks to you, you see. Somebody say glory to God. Vision from God comes into us through His words. Vision comes into us from God through His Spirit. And here's another thing. Go to Philippians, please. I think I'm about done. Philippians, chapter 4. Philippians, chapter 4. Verse 8, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, do what? Think on these things. Does it matter what you think on? Okay, you're watching a movie. What are you thinking about? That movie. And what spirit are you fellowshipping with? Whatever spirit or spirits inspired the writers of the scripts and whatever spirit or spirits the actors are yielding to to play the characters. Right? What about if you yield to the spirit of God? What about if you come to a place where people are yielding to the Spirit of God? Makes it easy for you to yield to the Spirit of God. That's why it's profitable. The Bible talked about in Acts, a group of believers came together. Said they were in the church at Antioch, prophets and teachers, and it gives off their names. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost began to say some things that directed whole ministries. Right? Why? Because when we get together and get on the same page, one thing inspires another thing in somebody else, and it builds and it flows. That's what 1 Corinthians talking about when he had to tell them, if somebody's flowing, now let the other one hold his peace. He, you see one thing building off of another. And anybody that's operated something like this, you know it's true. You might not have had anything until they started giving out what they had. Right? And then you saw something. You got something. Now, we got to learn, though, just because you see something doesn't mean you're supposed to give it out necessarily. Could just be for you. But uh, when you think on something, and you put your mind on it and give your mind to it, you have just opened up your spirit to it. 
there's a mind connection. The Bible said, if any two of you agree as touching anything they ask, touching. When you and I put our mind on the same thing and open up our spirit to the same thing, we touch it in the spirit. Or when you put your mind on something bad, you let it touch you. You let it touch your spirit. But when you put your mind on the Lord, oh, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on the... Why the peace? Why the peace? Romans 8 says to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life. And why the peace? He's the God of peace. Because when you put your mind on Him, you have opened your spirit up to Him, and His spirit touches your spirit with His peace and His presence manifests. See, the Lord started us off this way in this meeting about what we're thinking at, about what we're looking. If I'm thinking about you and you're thinking about me and I'm looking at you and you're looking at me, it limits us severely. I was, when I talk about this, I'm reminded again and again of when I was a little boy, my dad bought myself and brother and our friends a tent because we liked to camp out. We lived out in the country. And so we'd go camp out. Man, we th- I thought I was Tarzan. I mean, we, I, we swang from the trees. Swang, that's not a good word, is it? <laughs> Swung, whatever. From the trees, ran through the bushes. We, we fished. We all, oh, man. And should have been concerned about some things. I mean, we're down in the deep south, and, and there are snakes in these ponds and streams. You saw them out there. But we'd just go stomp around and splash and jump in. Alligators in some of these places. And we'd ski and just have a big time. But no fear at all. Probably should have had some more respect for some of these things, but, but no fear. Boy, it would sure motivate you not to fall when you're skiing, man. <laughs> and if you did fall, you're going, hey, hey, get the boat back. Hey, hey. Because <laughs> we'd see the gators, you know. <laughs> and uh, no fear. Somebody say no fear. no fear. I'm talking about no fear. No fear. Just young boys. And... But we'd, we'd camp out and fix our beans and our fish, whatever we had, and invariably, after the, the meal, somebody's going to tell a scary story. Yeah. Remember what I'm talking about? Yes, sir. Oh, man. And then somebody's going to try to top that, yeah. and it's more bloody and more gory and more scary, and then the next guy's got to top that. Yeah. And after two hours of that, you heard a twig pop. What was that? You hear that? You see that? And I mean fear, brother. Your hair is standing up on the back of your neck. I mean goosebumps are just sticking out. You're, you're just almost shaking. The spirit of fear was manifest on us. 
We're seeing stuff in every shadow. We're ready to run home. Well, now, why didn't we have any fear swimming with snakes and alligators, swinging from vines we know are going to break either this time or the next? (laughs) Why? Because our mind is not on it. But when we sit there and all of us are sitting there thinking about that same story and we're focused on that same thing and the spirit of fear manifests right there on us. We're letting fear touch us because of where our mind is. Well, the Bible said, In fact, just turn there. Luke. Hold your place in Philippians if you can. Go to Luke 24. Would it work the other way? Hmm? If it'll work with fear, the enemy being able to manifest himself more. See, that's what people get into when they just start talking about demons all the time. Demons, demons, demons. Everybody's got two or three, and there's under every bush and under every chair. And and people start having manifestations of demons, and they think that shows they're more spiritual than other people, and they don't realize they're inviting it. They're yielding to it. They're allowing it. If you get your mind on these things, you open yourself up to it. If you focus on it and think about it and talk about it all the time, you're going to have more manifestation of fear and the enemy's things. What if, though, you kept your mind stayed on him? What if all of us come together and we get in one place and we get in one mind and one accord and we're all we're not all thinking about fried chicken or devils we're thinking about (laughs) Jesus we're thinking about we're not all thinking about each other and what we got on and he's got a string on his pants and he used a double negative and that's the wrong reference not three one it's one three and Anybody know what I'm talking about? So many times the crowd and the preachers are so much in the flesh in the flesh. Why, how you went on in the flesh? We're so, that's all we're aware of. That's all we're aware of. That's all our minds on. It's what we're seeing and hearing in the natural. I'm excited because we've begun, even in this meeting, to do differently. It's happening in many other places. I don't mean just us, but we have begun. I think there are times you've been sitting there with your eyes open and you see me, but you don't see me. Am I right? I know there's times when I'm seeing you, but I'm not seeing you. Glory to God. And what if all of us got our mind on Him and all of us together are seeing Him? Well, just like that fear was manifested at the camp, He's going to be manifested. The Bible said after Jesus had been crucified and after he's been raised from the dead, Luke 24, 
the Bible said that two men, verse 13, were walking on the road. Uh, they're going to a village called Emmaus. Verse 15, it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, who were they talking about? Verse 14, they were talking about Jesus. What had happened? While they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Oh, did you see this picture now? Let's say me and you walking along, talking about Jesus, talking about Jesus, thinking about Jesus. Next thing you know, there he is. Didn't he say where two or three of you are gathered in my name? What does that mean, in my name? Well, in his name, you wouldn't be thinking about a bunch of other junk. In his name, you're there for him, to see him, to hear him, to think about him. And there he is. Read on down in the, in the same chapter. They ran back and they told the other folks that they had seen the Lord. In verse 34, it said also, The Lord is risen indeed, and he's appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way, and how he was known of them in breaking bread. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said, Peace. Be unto you. Oh, do you see the principle, friend? To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Why? Because when you put your mind on Him, you open your spirit to Him. It's an invitation to Him to manifest Himself. I've seen it. Just like we sat around that campfire as boys and talked and talked and thought about the wrong thing until the spirit of fear was intangible physical manifestation on us. In more recent times, I've sat around a table. I've talked to men and women and brothers and sisters about the things of God and about how God moved and about what God said. And while we were talking, there He was, saying it again, doing it again. And now we're not talking about history. It's present. It's happening now. Somebody say, happening now. Stand on your feet. Say, happening now. Say it again. Happening now. Happening now. He is the great I am, I am, I am, I am. It's happening now. Happening. Close your eyes. Just focus on Him. Oh, Father, we bless You. Oh, Father, we praise You. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.